0: Star
1: Bands Avenue. Welcome to your making it worse. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. We're here, we're queer. Meh. Mm. Nah. Textual, Textual healing. healing. So uh, we're a little late to this, of course, because of our recording schedule and busy lives. Better but late than never. <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres was uh, a huge topic in the news, uh, especially for queer people, in the last couple of weeks. She was photographed at a football game in Texas, where oh, she's football. Mm-hmm, no, yep, where she football. sat next to um, former President George W. Bush. Um, and so people were really shitting on her online and most—I mean, mostly online, of course, but saying that she was a traitor to the LGBT movement mm-hmm. and um, the idea that she was basically you know, playing with the devil. Um, and, and ultimately, she came out on her show um, to say, we're all different. I think we've all forgotten that that's okay that we're all different. When I say be kind to one another, I don't mean be kind to the people who think the same way you do. I mean be kind to everyone. There's a lot of thoughts going on about it, and um, a lot of people seem super pissed. I'm
0: wondering what super, you guys think. So angry. Disproportionately pissed. So angry. And the funny thing is, uh, <clears throat> I am—I'm the most bombastic, angry, punitive person I know when no, it comes to politics. Stop. I do. I—I—I I, I was, I, you know, I literally won't talk to my aunt Ramona for voting for Trump for the rest of my life. But and, you're so level-headed, <laughs> <laughs> um, calm, rational. You you just get heated because I'm always right. No, I get heated because you're ignorant. Uh, (laughs) 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 No, but but I guess, I don't know. So I was trying to figure out the consistency here, which Mm -hmm. was like, as someone who has vowed not to speak to certain Republicans or Trump supporters for the rest of my life. Hypocrite. (laughs) But at the same time, I also fully recognize, and this is true of everyone listening, You can hate your aunt or your uncle or whomever for voting for Trump, but you wouldn't go to work. And if your boss voted for Trump, you wouldn't tell your boss to go fuck himself because he's your boss. And, you know, you can't do that or else Mm -hmm. you'll be fired. Yeah. And therefore, it's it is fairly inconsistent for me to be like, yes, you can hate your aunt and you can not hate your boss because everyone knows, you know, you, you pick and choose who you want to. To be punitive right. with when it comes to politics, and anyway, that aside, I also feel like I don't hate Bush as much as I hate Trump.
1: I know it's, and it's so, made him into this like which is, yeah. I used to
0: hate Bush more than anyone else in the world, of course. and now I hate Trump more than anyone else in the world, and I don't think it'll ever be surpassed by any Republican <laughs> after this. I think hopefully. Trump is pretty
2: much sealed hopefully that deal. Tr- hopefully, Trump hopefully, will, be, yeah. will
0: be the the high water mark. President Rand Paul. So, I don't like, know. I guess somewhere <laughs> in my head, I'm like, I'm like. I don't give a f- I don't care as much. You, I get it. I, I get it. I get it I, I
2: on I I was so torn on this, which is so yeah. surprising because I I would think this would be a you know, a clear one for me. Mm-hmm. but I get what Ellen is saying and I get what people outraged are saying. And I do think that when Ellen says, you know, we're all different and I think it's okay to it, what what you say, it's when I say be kind, don't be kind to just the ones Only you agree, who with, agree with you. like I agree with that. I think you should. Actually be kind to everybody. I think that is a good lesson in life in yeah. general. Um, this one though, I don't agree with the intense backlash because right. I don't think this necessarily means Ellen is canceled in any way. I, I think she does <laughs> a lot of good, you know, in the world. Um but I but I also I Bush does represent a, especially for queer Americans, a, a particularly thorny area, and a dark spot. for uh, people who have lived or loved New Orleans because of Katrina. Something that Ellen is Ellen is from New Orleans, yeah, and she's or, given or a rack. lot of. Yeah. She's given. Well, sure, but particularly with Ellen being gay and being from oh, New right, Orleans. Oh right, 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 right. Um, there is a there is a disconnect there because the two things from his presidency, with the exception of Iraq, the two things from his presidency is that he ran for re-election on wanting to add that marriage is between a man and a woman to the U.S. Constitution, and race. and he and he create and he he supported a campaign across states across the country right. to do that same thing, and he also was incredibly negligent with Katrina, right. and Ellen has given a lot of money to Katrina efforts, so there is a bit of hypocritical behavior here in that if she is so supportive of the city of New Orleans and what happened with Katrina, and she is a gay activist, I do, there is a part of me that I'll never forget that Bush ran, this is not an, this isn't just an ideological difference. This is a, you are attacking my well-being and wanting to add that to the U.S. Constitution. Right. And, I don't know if I could sit next to Bush because I just like I don't know if I could sit next if Reagan were alive if I could shake his hand and talk with him and sit next with him with what he did with AIDS. And I, by
0: the way, I believe you. Yeah. I believe you when you say that. And I would like to think the same about myself that I would turn my shoulder if he was <laughs> if George W. Bush was sitting next to me or if he nodded to me I did. I would not <laughs> nod back, but I cannot tell you Unequivocally, that that is the case, and I can certainly tell you that about eighty or ninety percent of the people tweeting at Ellen about this mm-hmm. would shake his hand of if course. he put his hand out yes, to shake. Would. And I would, would shake his hand. Back.
2: I wouldn't if I had if I had the ability to communicate with him for a lengthy period of time. I probably would very much tell him what I thought about what he did. I do think it's worthy to shake his hand and stuff. But I will say I have to say this: when I was in youth and government. In 2001, I went to Washington, D.C., and we all got to meet the (laughs) President of the United States, George W. Bush, and guess what I did? What? This was before he was a monster. Well, he was always a monster, but this was before he was a monster for all the things he did. I took the, the back of the group. I didn't want a picture with George W. Bush. <laughs> I didn't want to shake his hand. Wow, very I, I was cool being there, yeah. but I did not vote for him. I was I was a big Bill Bill Bradley supporter so in the primary. Mom, so was my and, mom. And and then I was a big Al Gore supporter. And I I I very much believed that Al Gore won the presidency in two thousand. And I thought that it was Bush's people who stole that election. Sure. And I couldn't take a picture with him yeah like I couldn't I couldn't be in that because I wasn't happy that he was president I was happy to be in the White House because I liked (laughs) all the things
0: (laughs) I mean what do you think Elliot
1: um I I also kind of I don't know my first instinct was to sort of roll my eyes at the mob mentality of it all but the more I more I read it the thing that 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 hit home for me was in speaking to what you were talking about Alan I was like I told him to say it. Right, I'm right. (laughs) I I put myself back into where I was in the Bush years and what I felt. You know, I was in my er, like late teens, early twenties, and remembered how distinctly homophobic the world was, and how Mm -hmm. his administration really sought to make it hard. Like, think back. Like, you think about that. Think about. I mean, we're you know we're rather lucky now, but you think back to then, and it's like. He, they really it threw us re- under the bus. Threw us under you the. You could bus. argue his actions are the reason why we have marriage equality. It started a movement of progressive. Sure. You
2: couldn't.
0: Eat, sure. I mean, but but at okay. the
1: time it didn't. It
0: exactly. Didn't feel it that didn't way. feel that way.
1: And so was this guy
0: Ellen. <clears throat>
1: so, so ultimately, you know, as much as it. As much as it's you know she she can say be kind to everybody and, and which is true you should be you should be kind to everybody but this this writer Laura Bradley at Vanity Fair wrote when one person has historically believed other people should not have the same basic rights as another it's hard to treat these differences as benign mm-hmm. especially when that person wants exercised their power to help make their beliefs a reality you know Ellen didn't have the opportunity to, didn't have the power necessarily to legislate change he did and mm-hmm. he made it hard like yeah. I, you know I, not only I think, legislate endorse like i mean yeah yeah, and, yeah and, to, I, and so when i think about that when i think back to that yeah it's tough. When i think back to 2002 2003 you know at the time and this is just me speaking for myself but at the time i felt like that there was a there was a glass ceiling yeah. or a limit to how much people would quote unquote um uh, accept us Mm -hmm. and he made it harder but it was the way that it was and now in retrospect i'm like it didn't need to be that way exactly it didn't need to be that way but i mean but if he came into this room
2: i of course would say it's a pleasure to meet you never met you before cool dude but what you did in 2004 when you ran for re-election and with katrina was total bullshit and i mean i think i would I think I would feel pretty comfortable yeah. saying that to him, like Dorothy when George H. W. Bush visited the Golden Girls in
1: 1990.
0: Mm. Oh yeah, you know. I still don't
1: think I don't I don't think Ellen deserves to be canceled. quote-unquote. Well, no, of quote, course not. Certainly not. But and
0: by the way, that was the other point I was going to make is that I, I I obviously I don't know this definitively, but I wouldn't be surprised if her ratings didn't have even the faintest. Oh, they probably went up. Touch from anything like this. Yeah, it's just they like, definitely because I just think. Uh, I I think this is a genuine complaint to have against, you know, a, yeah, of course. a, a foremother of the gay rights movement.
2: Foremother, right? Yeah, sure.
0: Sure. Uh,
2: person, for person, but, don't make it gender.
0: Uh, so I think it's a legitimate complaint. But, like, I also think celebrities really genuinely have to stop responding to mm-hmm. cancel culture tweets because I don't think – I would bet you – Again, I would bet you 80% of the people that even tweeted or liked any of those tweets don't watch Ellen. Well, yeah, they they don't they <laughs> probably know? don't
2: have cable, but also and it's not don't on have lo- cable, right? Yeah, right. don't have that receiver that you have to get for local television. <laughs> yeah, right. But I but what is interesting cuz I watch a lot of news, it, the disconnect between what happens on social media and what people are saying there and the outrage there and the vast majority of sort of the talk shows and the news shows that talk about this. You have Gail King applauding Ellen and you have like so many celebrities, so many p- celebrities applauding. And it's there is this weird disconnect that I think speaks to the
1: times right now. Mm-hmm. How how completely polarized we are. Oh, mm-hmm. <sighs> at least she can unify us through her dancing. She yeah. doesn't dance anymore. <laughs>
0: Not even joking.
2: I am so happy with our guest today. I actually didn't know you were going to do the podcast. Ian Harvey, everyone, welcome. Surprise, Ian. surprise. Thank you so friend. much. Hello. Thank you. Now, you are here after surviving a traumatic escape from the fires that were happening <laughs> all over Los Angeles this weekend. So, the first question I have for you is. What did you wear when you escaped the fire?
3: Yeah, <laughs> I was already fully dressed and ready to go. We have, um, we're my girlfriend and I are originally from Maine, so we're like prepared, a prepared people. Like mm-hmm. we are, like if there's a blizzard, we know what to do. Yeah, um, we run water in the bathtub, you know, like oh, well. so. Here we just my girlfriend. Wait, why do you she's, run water in the bathtub? So you can flush the toilet. Oh, you take you take a bucket
2: and you pour the water in the toilet, and that yeah. flushes
3: it. Or if you are you're, oh. you're pipes freeze your power goes out your p- pipes freeze and you need uh, drinking water, water yep. for cooking on your gas stove or yep. whatever my
2: bathtub is so filthy that there's no way I'd be able to survive <laughs> Ooh, yeah. uh, off minus of two, I just realized like, uh. there's no way and I just got ants
0: in it too oh Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and I also no. have
2: never figured out like whenever I'm in whenever I take a bath like whenever I have extra money TMI and I buy, Allen when I, I buy a lush bomb you know and put it in the bathtub mm-hmm. every single time the water always sort of dissipates a little bit slowly slowly yeah. It's the most annoying thing in a bath, yeah. which that I would worry. I think my bathtub's faulty. I'm going to die in a fire if yeah. I have to fill it up yeah. with the water. I, would...
3: I think you will. Is your
1: bathtub clean, Ian?
3: It is, actually, yeah.
1: Mine, too. Crystal clean. <laughs> yeah, your bathroom, your house in general is crystal clean.
2: <laughs> crystal but you get that clean. Yeah, from your is, mother. It is, it but we is. have clean. an
3: earthquake and fire closet. Of course you So we have, do. like, all the things that you need <laughs> in either of you those really things. You really do? Yes. God, you guys are the best. Um, I will say, I've, from I've, headlamps I've, I've known to you for batteries to...
2: Years now, I guess, and and I also know your girlfriend Sarah. Yeah, and I will say you guys are very. Um you're not granola, but if I if I needed to survive a zombie apocalypse, I think you guys would be great people to go to.
3: <laughs> well, we're also very steady and level-headed. Yeah. When we saw the fire on the TV, we're like, "It's coming for us. What should we do?" And so we were mm. we were in our PJs. We got fully dressed. We grabbed our fire bags and the dogs got some dog food, and we're ready. By the time that you know the fire department was coming around, we had already woken up all of our neighbors. Of mm. course. Oh, so like we so you know. Yeah, so we're yeah we're definitely those people.
0: Wow. I I always want to be that person. I want to be the guy who's like level-headed when crisis occurs, mm-hmm. calm and collected, and able to lead others to safety or whatever. And I am, I'm a monster. Like yeah, like the, the handful of really small earthquakes we've gotten fours yeah. and fives in the last year, I instantly just lose my shit. I think about killing mm-hmm. my neighbors. I'm like, what Like, what food do <laughs> I have? Killing neighbors? Yeah, I, why is that the well, next step? Uh, yeah, that is strange. Killing <laughs> <laughs> your neighbors. Well, you know, I mean, I hate You want to start
3: the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: know that if, if, if I had to evacuate my apartment in the middle of the night, it would be a complete shit show. I would put my cat in like my long chomp bag, I would just stuff them in the bag, Michael, and both of us would be wearing ridiculous outfits. Going, I have, I sleep in a polka dot long almost night shirt. Name? Fraser.
3: Oh, I thought you said Michael.
2: Oh no, Michael's my boyfriend. Oh, okay. And and I, yeah, and I would. I mean, we would look ridiculous. I I I I wear like Crocs. Like I I would just look ridiculous standing on the street corner in Los Feliz, the hippest neighborhood in Los Angeles.
3: Looking like a that's where we croc. divide is on the yeah. Crocs.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I also have Uggs too. I Uggs feel and like crocs. crocs stink. I feel like
3: they do not stink. I feel like they make
1: they make your feet stink and sweat, and they stink yeah. too. They yeah.
3: tried to sell them in the beginning as the shoe that doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Because there's no sort of material to absorb any odor. And then well, everyone was like, "Nurses is right. use them."
2: Do they actually stink? They don't stink. I have them. Oh. I'm saying they look like they, they stink. They look like they stink. Yeah, yeah. but so, that, so do yeah. people. But you still pass them. <laughs> but you
3: know what's... <laughs> A billion times worse than Crocs is those shoes with separate toes. Oh, love toes. those are the worst! No, Damn. I
2: used to run. Those Thank God, freak I don't anymore. But runners used to things. I would those take things.
3: a picture of something like that.
0: Yeah. yes okay. it That's would stay on my right. phone That's for about a minute before we started recording we talked about taking <laughs> creepy well, pictures of know, people I would know
3: I I wouldn't know <laughs> right.
0: maybe they would just cut off that portion
2: what if they just stuffed <laughs> that, that part the of the
1: fabric yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't okay. know, were those meant to be like for running on yeah. your quote there was a whole feet. movement in running yeah, that I mean I
2: think it was also walking but there was it was a running movement where like the natural form of your foot running was like apparently better for you
3: it's best it's so I don't know why because I can see people's feet and it doesn't gross me out but to see them se- toes yes. separately Repugnant. covered yeah it's so Repugnant. it's so gross Ugh.
2: and i'm waiting for that black swan moment where they just like congeal back together well ian you are kind of prolific in many ways in that you are one of the first sort of openly transgender comics where you were open about being transgender in your comedy act and what i found so sort of I think liberating early on when I first knew of you um, was just how your candor with sort of your story and where you went and where you came from and where you're at now and where you're going and why when you first started did you decide to be so open?
3: (sighs) I think at the root of it is that I'm an over-explainer. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm a Gemini and an over-explainer, yeah. and I love to try to find ways to share things that I think people can wrap their heads around. Mm-hmm. And when I started comedy, I didn't come out as trans until I was like two years into it. And then um, I was a little afraid that I would be eaten alive, you know, mm-hmm. by the audience, you know, starting in Portland, Maine and working and when in was this? Boston. Uh, 2002. Okay. Um... Yeah, that's got to be tough. Yeah, I mean, was long before the Maine, like yeah. Maine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Maine
1: is pretty. Portland is kind Portland's of liberal. Pretty. Portland's right
3: amazing. It's super Portland's queer, amazing. and I they're love so that place. yeah. It's murder. Smart she wrote queer. Maine. It's mm-hmm. great.
2: Cabot Cove. Beautiful.
3: Yeah. <laughs> murder she so, wrote out of Maine. Yeah. Huh.
0: Cabot Cove. That's a lot of murder in one.
2: I know. Almost. I know. Yeah. She has a horrible track record.
3: <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. I just I I I, I just felt this calling to make it really accessible mm-hmm. and I thought you know I think I'm the guy that can you know help start this um, and I talked to a friend of mine who was my one of my comedy writing coaches at the time um, it, it this guy named Tim Farrell he was a writer on The Daily Show and um, he's was a, he's a really smart guy and he's like listen it doesn't matter what you write about you can write about anything don't be afraid mm-hmm. you should be afraid if it's not funny like it's just got to be funny mm-hmm. so you can do anything you want and that really gave me the confidence to say the words the first time and i ate it a little bit on my the first time and then i just was mean? like you know, just uh, I was so nervous. You know, you know, if of you're up, if if you're up there and nervous, the audience is nervous too. Yeah. If you're confident and you don't give a fuck, then they don't give a fuck. They're yeah. with you. Mm-hmm. So whatever you're putting out, you're gonna get back. And I was nervous, so they were nervous for me. I think they were like, "Is he gonna implode <laughs> up there?" You know. <laughs> Do you remember um, where were
2: you when that happened? When I was
3: that? at this comedy club in Portland. Okay. Um, and I think my first joke was about it was, and the other thing was. I looked like a Butch Dyke. I was, uh, you know, I looked, take the beard off and add some triple D titties. And <laughs> um, I looked very similar. I, you know, and so I think I was going on stage and trying to, it was, it was like kind of like trying to convince people that I was who I said I was. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, oh, okay, we get Dyke. You know, we understand, we understand that. Visually, we understand you. Especially you, you know. <laughs> um it, especially
1: in Maine yeah Maine New Hampshire yeah. it is oh, like yeah. the
3: there's land is, of lesbians I love, yeah. I love it it's great yeah there's a Vermont real, too there's, there's a real look there. and flavor oh yeah, of uh, you know L.L. Bean yes Patagonia know. it's the yeah. Mecca for lesbians I think yeah Subaru driving oh I love it yeah. Yeah. I love it <laughs> Subaru's <laughs> last forever mm. so yeah um mm-hmm. I just kind of I've just felt a need to like start but I did find myself doing a lot of convincing people <laughs> yeah in the beginning you know it was that, that that was a weird thing. Like and people coming on I would come off stage and people would be like, yeah, whatever. And, you know, kind of blowing it off, not really understanding or accepting it. Or even it really, like they laughed at the jokes, but I think they were still like, that was all a joke, right? Because you're a comic yeah. and comics are just <laughs> liars, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, That that's... must have been
2: hard though to, you know, be speaking from a very authentic, authentically true self on stage and then have people... Almost question your authenticity. Yeah, that's hard to imagine. Yeah. Well,
3: you know what was weirder was now look at me and I go on stage and if I reference it at all, people don't believe that I was ever female. Hey! Mm-hmm. so Subtle stud And people brag. do weird shit like <laughs> grab your crotch because they don't believe what? you wow. that you have a vagina. That's you know, gross. <laughs> you know, right? like grab that? your. Crotch? Oh, I've had people do shit like that after drunk at a club after a show. How do you respond? I don't believe oh, you. My God. God. You fucking twist their arm up behind their yes. back and tell them to not fucking Good. touch you. That's insane. Yeah. That's actual but, assault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but Literally. But it's like, you know, so it went from like one end of the spectrum to the other. But now, people haven't done that real recently, but... Um, because I think that they listen to me for an hour and they're like, there's no way that this can't be true. This guy just talked about it <laughs> yeah, for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> there's no way that he would, right? I mean, why would this dude, like, tell the world he has a vag? Like, why Why would he, what, couldn't make it, you know, in the comedy community, like, world? Like, he had to come <laughs> up with a <laughs> thing. He has a new And shtick. this is the thing Like, you'd have up to prove
1: with? it or something in some show. So, <laughs> That's wild.
3: Yeah, so, wild. Um, but you know what I think is what feels like progress to me now is I'll go out, and when I get to a place in my set where I say that I'm trans, nobody claps. And I'm so excited that nobody mm, claps. That because is great. People, yes, that's understand. progress. So yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, you go up to San Francisco and people are like, no shit, my fucking parents are trans. <laughs> right. Fucking, yeah. They don't, they don't <laughs> yeah. give a shit anymore. You know, like, I love that. That's yeah. progress to me. So I like that when people, when you're like, don't applaud that you're mm-hmm. coming out as trans. Ones, you're like, that is... So, yeah, what, brave. That's so brave. You're so was brave. Was there an interim
1: where you did feel like pigeonholed as time has shifted? I mean, d- d- I don't want to speak for you, but it feels like everything has moved very quickly. It has. And I wonder, is there a time in the, in between where it was... No. I don't I, know. You know
3: a, what? Here's the thing. Like, you know, every comic... You know, people talk about getting pigeonholed, but the truth is everybody has a very unique perspective. You know, if you look back at comics, like um, everybody had a thing like mm-hmm. Seinfeld talks about nothing, you know, like it's like the mundane, the minutia of the day, like he will never, ever get into his personal you know, life mm-hmm. on stage, really, not really. Um, you know, you have Sam Keniston who was the screamer and the things mm-hmm. that he spoke of were always similar, even when he wrote new material or, you know, Chappelle or whoever, they all have their thing that mm-hmm. they talk about. So if we're going to talk about pigeonholing, everybody has a thing. Sure. And, you know, I mean, I don't know, I'm not necessarily known as the trans comic or the, but I definitely think that, it happens to be like I think there's still more to explore, um, but I don't feel pigeonholed by it. I'm going to write about whatever and people can remember me for whatever they remember me for. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, well, it's also kind of what I think is great as a comic is that we come from our comedy from our own perspective. So that whatever your thing is, you still experience the world that everyone else is experiencing just in the way that you experience it. And it's how you communicate that experience through whatever your thing is that people then start to connect and hopefully expand their horizons and learn and laugh a little bit more.
3: I think the more than being trans, my thing is really about trying to unite people in a, a comedy club in, you know... Des Moines, Iowa Mm -hmm. at the Funny Bone, Yeah, you know, going in there and getting people who have never heard someone like me before or my story and having them walk out of there going, you know what? I kind of can relate to that guy.
2: Totally. Yeah. That
3: I feel like is more my, rather than writing about transness or queerness or whatever, I think my internal, um, Mission has always been of trying to find the unifier like Mm -hmm. I did a I did a TED talk called everyone is trans and I was trying to get everybody in that room where nobody else was trans to understand what it might be like for a moment to sort of You know feel what it might feel like to have something feel uncomfortable about your body in relationship to your gender Mm-hmm. Uh, into your, into your, you know, uh, in relationship to your sex or your gender, and so I tried to. I think What's it's an always.
0: What did you, what did you, offer to the audience so they could understand?
3: Um, at the end, I had everybody stand up and turn. I had them turn on the lights, um, and look around the room and try to find just find a face that they could look at, mm-hmm. and try to write that person's backstory about what they might be uncomfortable about, and to really mm-hmm. see them and to not, like, just pass over somebody um, in a way that, you know, like, we we so often just um, kind of just pass by each other without, Actually, pausing mm-hmm. and understanding. And I took this acting class. <laughs> going to be, and it was uh, called viewpoints and improvisation with Alexandra Billings. And I love um, her. Yeah, she's, she's so amazing. Bad. She's so amazing. Bad. We need to get her on the podcast. I love yeah, her. Yeah, so. she's she's amazing. Being big
2: on Broadway now. I know
3: she's going to Wicked. Yeah, yeah. Um. So she had us do these exercises in class where you would be absolutely silent with a partner, mm-hmm. and you could you could write their entire backstory and know every secret that they ever held and understand every pain that they've ever felt. And it's like a very sort of weird spiritual experience, if you will. And so I try to do this in a matter of like three minutes at the end of my TED talk of trying Mm -hmm. to get people who don't identify as trans to understand what it might feel like by looking at somebody else and trying to imagine what their story is to get them out of self for Mm -hmm. a second, which is a very hard thing to do cuz everybody's always excuse me everybody's always super self-obsessed and yeah. what does it mean about me if x y and z and so at the end of this i had a guy come up to me and rather than giving them i get uh, my perfect example is this i live in los angeles i came here from portland maine this is to answer your question specifically yeah. sorry it took me so long oh, to get fine. there but um what's we'll cut that all out but yeah yeah, yeah, yeah but um <laughs> basically i moved here from Portland, Maine. This is the plastic surgery capital of the country and there are people here who are modifying their bodies who are not trans identified. Women Mm -hmm. are getting breast augmentations to to feel more feminine in their bodies. Men are getting pectoral implants, calf Mm -hmm. implants. They're having sculpting things done to be more masculine or more feminine. Mm -hmm. And they don't identify as trans. And I wanna say, how is it that if a woman gets a breast augmentation to feel more feminine and more female in her body, how is that any different than me wanting to take something off of my body to feel more masculine? Mm Really and analogy. so, um, it's so true. I'm dying for plastic surgery. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But at the end of this TED talk, this get you some Botox. <laughs> this cis white straight guy came up to me in tears oh. and said that he had. I want. To, I'm gonna mispronounce this term, but it's called gynomastia. Yeah, mastia or mastica. Mastia. I think it's gynomastia. Okay. Gynecomastia. When right? he was um, in like junior high through high school. And he was railed on by his classmates. And every like everybody was super mean to him. And he was standing in front of me and tears. It's when your nipples poop out, right? Yeah, yeah like so, yeah, basically sorry, male yeah, breasts. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. small male breasts and depends on... The way on your
0: chest is, is sort of um, situated or um, biologically yeah designed it it, it yeah your ch- but your also like... it also sure. can be from
3: hormones it can be sure. from whatever what I don't know the combination of things but um drink a lot of soy milk he was in tears it. he was in tears yeah. and just saying you know how much he related and how much this had and he finally had surgery to correct this oh, but crazy. that he Um, it tortured him forever, and he's like, I'm not trans, but I absolutely can relate to the torture and the feeling of wanting to die because of, you know, he didn't realize it was wrong with him, but everybody else tortured him about, Mm -hmm. you know, what was wrong with him. So anyway, I just... That's
0: why you hear a story like that, and it's... Sometimes you're... Even I look back on my life, and I think I was a pretty nice guy, and I still... Wasn't really considering other people's lives and plights until I was what twenty five years old, mm. or you know, maybe solidly in my twenties before I'm kind of questioning. I Why think am that's I when the someone's... male brain develops to do. Yeah, that. right, probably. <laughs> but it's it's great to hear that connection, and your analogies were fantastic. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I, you're like, I just wish everyone could have. I wish everyone could have gone so they could understand. What that's like, but, yeah. um, but it, that's never, you know, that's never gonna happen. Yeah,
2: it's it's so interesting to me. I remember, I don't know why I just thought of this, but when I was a kid, I did. There's like this teen hospice work that you could do, and I did it with a HIV/AIDS patient. And there was one family that I worked with who the mom was HIV positive, the dad had recently died of AIDS, and the little boy was HIV positive, but the little girl, who was older than the boy, had, didn't have HIV. She was the only one in the family that didn't. And yeah. within the span of a year, they all died except for the little girl. And I would continue talking with this girl, and she would talk about how she hated herself for not having it. For not yeah. fitting in oh, yeah. with survivors, with, yeah, and, guilt and... and it was this weird disconnect that she had, even with, her, and it, it morphed into like her own body image and her own. It was there were so many different things that this girl was impacted by because she felt physically uncomfortable with just being healthy.
3: Yeah, and it it's and it's
2: and, it, and there's so many different things, and I think in our brains it could be what the gentleman you were talking about, or if you're trans or whatever that whatever's plaguing you it matters and it really is just about like you were saying not being empathetic until like you're 25 or understanding yeah. like we just need to be more empathetic to right. people and realize that the stranger sitting there could be very well be going through a really horrible thing uh, or may, yeah yeah and just might be having a bad day too might be having yeah. a bad day yeah. you know i mean it's yeah and i think i think marginalized people like queer people in general are more open
3: i think in some ways to possibly being empathetic. There's not a person on this planet that doesn't have trauma in some way. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody splinters in some way and what direction they go into, whether it be body dysmorphia, Mm -hmm. um, food issues, alcoholism, addiction, whatever, self-harm, whatever that stuff is, I think everybody splinters. And it sounds like this girl had massive trauma and loss. And to have survivor's guilt probably is actually more rooted in trauma then and then like that hatred of like why am I the only and then mm-hmm. maybe self harm or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just I just think that every you it's know, heavy. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, a, a heavy one. Not
2: be so heavy to move on to a different thing. You then later on, after you were performing with you were doing your own shows, you also were doing a lot with Margaret Cho for a number of years. I mean yeah. that's how yeah. I think that's how I first found out about you was through Margaret Cho. Um you toured did you tour with her?
3: Yeah, I did for three years, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. She's great. I don't how think was she that? gets enough
2: credit. For all that she's done.
3: She, um, well, she also doesn't ask for it. Yeah. She's one of these people that if you go to an event that she's at, she like, she's in and out. She doesn't care about like the thunder and the lights and the glitz and glamour. She's just, Mm -hmm. she's like, she's a workhorse. She's kind of, she's not underrated because, she's not underrated. I don't think she's underrated. Mm -hmm. However... I, she's just not one of those people that needs needs that kind of
2: yeah validation um, yeah yeah. I just think more so what in terms of, of as a queer icon what she's done I think for the gay commu- for the queer community in general like she's been she's one of the early vocal activists in her Absolutely, work yeah. pushing queer artists into the mainstream in and whatever she, way she could
3: and she's one of the few that will p- pick out um, an opener mm-hmm. that um, is. A voice that she feels that people need to hear. Mm-hmm. When I started opening for her, I was terrified. I was like, I remember saying to her, "I'm like, I, I want to talk about being trans," but and this was in 2007. She's like, "Listen, people need to hear. Nobody out there is hearing anything like this. People mm-hmm. need to they, people need representation, and they they need you. So go out there and tell them." And I remember just th- hearing that, and to have someone who. um even as a comic, I didn't see it that way. She saw it that way before I did, and I was like, I was involved in self and thinking mm-hmm. about myself. And yeah. she was like, No, people need your voice. Um, so she's really, and she's done that. She not she pays her openers, she pays for their travel and hotel. That's great. And you know, a lot of comics who are very wealthy don't fucking do that. Mm-hmm. Like, don't elevate their brothers and sisters, or you have clubs not allowing their women comic open siblings. Or, yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, to you know, and one time somebody asked her in an interview, she's they said, uh, "Are you ever worried about anybody that you have opening for you that they're going to steal your thunder?" And she's mm-hmm. like, "No, there's enough thunder to go around." She's just not of that that's that cool. sort of you know type of person that operates from a place of scarcity. You know, yeah,
2: that's really cool. Yeah, I, she's, she's great. She's great. And, and
3: you were oh, no, and she, and it, if it hadn't been for her, and it's always really been. Women that have elevated me, Mm -hmm. Um, women and queers that have, like, really, I'm so grateful to. Like Jill Soloway. Yes. You got cast on Transparent. Yes. How was
1: that? You had a very intense role on the show.
3: Uh, (laughs) You had very (laughs) sexual. (laughs) There (laughs) were so many
2: sexual things. Yeah, you know, um,
3: I love that story because it's like every relationship story is like, how. I'm. I first meet you. I'm attracted to you. I've already written a story about you in my head about what I think you are. Like you're this big butch, you know, lives in a (laughs) mountain cabin, and like you're gonna take me home and you know rape me all weekend, like you know, like in a consenting way. Yeah, in a consenting. You know, I'm sorry. Anyway, but um, son of a bitch. (laughs) So, but anyway, so I've written this whole story, and and you've written a whole story about me, Mm -hmm. and. And how long can you stay in those boxes before you have to rip off the corset yeah. um, that binds you into these ideas that we've written about, mm-hmm. you know, uh, about each other. So I loved that story because and a lot of the stuff that I this is how it happened. I went into their writer's room and. Um, Which has, I mean, like Zachary Drucker's in there. Yeah. I mean, there are some great, Zachary, great I, people. Zachary was part of it at the time, but the writer's room was in Silver Lake in this mm-hmm. little um, hideaway house that before the show was officially greenlit. I'm mm-hmm. sure it was greenlit before that. Yeah. But um, because they were renting a house and had of a writing course. team and yeah. were mapping out episodes. but Were you sitting on beanbags? No. No. <laughs> There was like I a imagine couch you guys sitting and on the floor. Chair, table and chairs and with candles. Um, I'm sure there were beanbags someplace. There's certainly,
2: yeah, pillows, like really mm-hmm. intense sitting pillows. Yeah.
3: So I went in. They asked me to. So I I was in the very first episode, um, as a background actor, and then mm. Jill asked me to come to the writers' room, and like to do a consult. Like tell them my story. So I told them my story and she goes, Really? We just want to cast you in this part, um, as Dale. <laughs> and um, do you think that like you could you could do this? And I'm like, uh shit. I'm like, I haven't really acted recently. And so and I had really, really eaten it on a lot of really bad aud- auditions. I'd really just eaten a bag of dicks every time <laughs> I went out to an audition, and I um and so I was really scared. And I said, I haven't acted in a while. And she said, well, what if I make it really safe for you? And I said, okay, I'll do it. Um, so then I did an acting workshop with the whole cast. Um, and then we, you know, we filmed it. But the but Faith Soloway wrote one of the episodes and she wrote that I was in and she wrote a lot of my story into it. Like my mother calling me my by my birth name and, you know, dicks falling out of you know whatever. dicks falling out of the sky basically <laughs> so many dicks um so it, they really listened you uh, if you worked on that show you felt really heard if you had input you felt really heard and um, it was a great experience for, for my first yeah. step into anything like that and that's wh- awesome what are you working on now um I I we touched on this earlier I I'm writing a movie with Jill actually I'm writing a western horror that's so exciting that's Um, great but you know it's weird like I feel like I have like you know so many different like horses in my own race I've got this riding horse and Mm -hmm. I've got the stand up horse I've got the acting horse Um, you know I think that at any given time, I just try to like follow like where the universe is pointing me yeah, and like yeah, what I'm supposed sure. to put follow my energy, energy into. Yeah, and right now it seems to be writing. I spent the whole summer working on a TV show, adapting a book into a TV show, and going out with a studio and learning how to write a great pitch. Which mm-hmm. was like, I'm so grateful to know how to do that. Um, I don't know. I just uh, writing really and your is the house thing. is intact my house yeah you got your house oh you, Sarah. Yeah, oh you know that was so crazy yeah, yeah. my our, our house is intact do totally. you ever because
2: you live in the area where they shot ET do you ever like go outside and just put your finger to the sky
3: <laughs> I, I don't I don't but we walk we walk that trail all of the time wow so you drop um, Reese's pieces yeah yeah well thank <laughs> yeah. you so much for being here yeah thank you for having really me really interesting yes. where you. can our f-
1: listeners follow you
3: <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Instagram just Ian Harvey H-A-R-V Thanks, Ian. Thank you.
2: And another thing. So we reached out to you guys to send in your stories, questions, whatever, and if you want to have your question or story featured on a future episode, you can go to our Instagram and you can DM us or you can click the link DM within- Allen. DM <laughs> so Allen. You way. can click the link within the Instagram account and that'll take you to an anonymous sort of page that you can ask a question if you wanna be
0: anonymous. And if you wanna say something nasty about me, nasty about me, <laughs> I'll never see it. Okay, go ahead.
2: And you can also email us at you're making it worse podcast at gmail.com. So we have three questions today uh, mm-hmm. that are great questions. I mean, we've got more than three questions, but these are like the highlight questions. Great. Um, great. And, like, two out of three. Um, no, and, <laughs> and what I love about it is that they're not all sort of gay male oriented, which is so exciting. Sure. Um, so the first question is, are straight girls who brag about making out with a woman in college making it worse, or should we be less judgmental? What uh, do you guys it's think? certainly, certainly
1: annoying. <laughs> I do yeah. find it annoying. I think, I still, I think it's very like... I kissed a girl and I liked it, you know? By the
0: way, I heard that song again Mm -hmm. recently. Uh, I think I was in an airport in Canada. Mm. Globetrotting. Bragger. I was in an airport. I heard that song. That song is so outdated. Correct. Yeah, it is. And the lyrics are crazy. Correct. Incredibly condescending.
2: What do you think about the women who do that? Straight women.
0: You know, I don't know. I guess... um, it's interesting. I, I think of it. I term. think of it as a relic. I certainly don't think of it as pernicious or malicious. Yeah, pernicious is the I word. I don't think send they're send making it worse is necessarily. necessarily. Uses a lot. Uh, I I put it in the same category as like when I remember this used to happen a lot more than it does now. But like a friend would be like, "I love when a gay guy compliments my outfit because it means it looks really good." Yeah, and it I'd tokenizes so, us. Yeah, it tokenizes. Yeah. I certainly don't like lose any sleep over that but you're like I I guess I would refrain from saying so yeah. that. So is she making it worse?
2: No. no. I don't think so but no. I, I do think, I it's, think it's no. it, it comes down to being tokenized. Like you don't yeah. ever want to tokenize She's making a different it community.
1: annoying.
2: Yeah. yeah. She's making it annoying. She's making yeah. that afternoon meal annoying. Shh. there's an afternoon
0: meal involved
2: (laughs) yeah of course if they have lunch and then she casually says and then you're like fuck now i have to split the bill bill with this a A lady yeah yeah. Yeah.
1: so another instagram user wrote to us it's sometimes hard to hear you guys rat on hot guys they can be annoying but sometimes it feels like bullying i love the podcast i just disagree sometimes if they want to post muscle pics or do play drag who cares Mm -hmm. what would you say to this again love the podcast okay let me (laughs) let me focus on the
0: important parts (laughs) of this I love the podcast. <laughs> Again, I love the podcast. Well, that's a really great you know, comment. Thank I, I do so think much.
2: this actually the reason why I included this question is because it is a, a comment perfectly that fair we do get quite sure. frequently because a we should probably maybe explain the title of the podcast which we did in the first episode but so there's a lot of listeners since then and it is intentionally incendiary title to draw a reaction from people. Mm-hmm. It isn't necessarily yeah. that anyone is making it necessarily yeah. worse. It's just, it's a, it's sort of a casual statement of saying, Flippant. It. It's flippant. We don't get what you're doing and we don't feel
0: a part of it. But I also, think there's a good reason. But also, as everyone I think who listens knows that, almost every week, I don't get what you're doing yeah, and you don't get what I'm doing. And, but and you and guys I, get what I'm doing. We usually get Ellie, <laughs> no. And then I talk about throwing Alan off a bridge and then we go home. Right. Yeah, So like, it's not to say and then that- And then I catfish Brent, Brent that, and, just, <laughs> and
2: make his dates. Um, Have you been catfishing me from your for Copenhagen. two years? Yeah, from, from Copenhagen. Copenhagen. Uh, so it's not
0: to say that Max Emerson is the only person that we suggest is, I think is a piece of I shit. think it's
1: important to- Delineate that, at least in terms of like my evolution, but I think you guys would agree with this. It's not an it's not so much annoying if some if a guy posts thirsty pics like that isn't annoying. What's annoying is when it becomes politicized. Yeah. But at the same time, I think that again that, tokenizing, tokenized, yeah. but also I think at that in that same way that thirsty pick. Is also across the board sexuality be damned. Yeah. The problem that I that it, it irks me as a part of the culture. It's not just specific to like gay guys. Yeah. We've it's said, we said
2: time sure. and time and time again be a slut. Like be be, be thirsty. Be thirsty. Post Audie pictures. Be a whore. Like I'm all about it. Like just don't po- do it. It's very pro yes. sex. No, it is. But <laughs> it's when you use a, either a certain part of a marginalized community or a certain thing in order to get attention and mask it as sort of like a cause. Yeah, when you
1: do that. And, when you and make we're not it...
2: just talking about Max Emerson, but he no. is he is a good example of sure. this. Sure, yeah. Um, that's like, you know, recently he got into
1: a lot of trouble with a picture he posted about... Uh, it was the... a Halloween costume for um, getting... Uh, getting fired for yeah. being gay of course so he was nude but, you know wearing a nude he wearing a tie and topless. like had his yeah. uh, sh- uh, box of like uh, office supplies and
2: so. i mean and i get a i great I, Halloween costume. I get the joke <laughs> i get the joke and i do think i do fundamentally think he's not a malicious person and he did it as a uh, as a joke but i also think that he the actions of that and masking it as sort of a political statement joke political comedy if you will um is offensive and ignorant sure. to the plight of trans and queer people of color who at this in this country are predominantly more likely to be fired from their jobs yeah, it's for, not funny. for being queer <laughs> yeah, it's and it's not, not funny. funny because it's a really serious issue it's really I will say a, this,
0: though it's a thing I, and I, that's an the thing that we
2: call out I, for making it worse yeah. Yeah. he's not making it worse that that joke is
0: yeah for sure i agree but i also do think uh the tenor of the podcast is still anti hot guy
2: Oh, I don't think so. I don't feel
1: anti-hot guy.
2: I mean, I I know I, I from his like, yeah. his probably URL history that he's definitely not anti-hot <laughs> well, guy. Well, I
0: think we all so know so many dicks. So many. I think dicks. we all know Elliot. No,
2: I, I mean, but I get what you're saying. I do think that the vibe can be that because people often and you can you can come at me for this, but people often see a muscly, often white man and they're more prone and I think it, it comes back to like a almost a gut reaction to pretty people because society tells us that's perfection, that yeah. people want to protect that person. People think that that person is being attacked for how they look and yeah. stuff and they're not able to disassociate themselves from how that person looks and the and the actual argument we're making that yeah. this person is doing his actions, yes. not the way he looks but his yes. actions are... A wise are. man.
0: Yes. And, no, do you know what true. I mean? Absolutely. And, yeah, and, I, and, and, yeah. I,
2: and I think societally we have a problem with that which is why pretty people get ahead and the Nico Tortorellis of the world keep getting cast on shows when he can't <laughs> well, act because of the way he looks it's
1: a it's a vacuum that I think we speak to that I don't feel like is spoken to enough and maybe that's why we'd we get you know seen as being anti hot guy but it really to me at least is a matter of 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 isolating the the idea that in the gay male community mm-hmm. it's the va- the vanity and the 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 It re- is our reward. only currency, is David Smith always saying. It's the only says. currency, and so that becomes problematic, and that's what's frustrating. You know, no. I will say, a
0: wise man once said to me, um, this is the guy that owned the baseball card store in my hometown, <laughs> mm. uh, who I spent a, a good amount of time with. Were you a baseball <laughs> card kid? Yeah, I was actually... I Straight was actually, acting over here! Yeah, in fact, <laughs> we can take this out, but I'm gonna brag for a second. Uh-oh. I have baseball cards It's from only bragging na- if I care. <laughs> And I remember going to the Met once, and the Met had an exhibit on baseball cards, and one of my cards was. Oh in my God! Oh wow! I was very proud of that. Wow. Anyway, uh, he once said. This guy, Jeff, he once said, never feel bad for a professional athlete no matter what they do, because yeah. they get everything that they want yeah. and have ever dreamed of. Uh, and thank- I would say, <laughs> sorry. What?
1: I was going to say, thank you for those w- wise words, this guy, Jeff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I would say the same thing guy. about a good looking guy on Instagram, never feel bad for them. They're yeah, getting they're gonna be fine. everything that they dream of. Yeah. Because and it's an echo chamber. chamber. Well, I
2: wouldn't say, no, I, I wouldn't say necessarily anything dream facetious. of, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think right. sure. predominantly if in this day and age, because of the rate of how, you know, queer people are fired from their jobs, if a if a man looking like Max Emerson walks in to apply for a job and, you know, uh, a person who doesn't, isn't necessarily as stereotypically pretty or white, they're not going to yeah. necessarily get that job. And that's yeah. the issue. Yeah. 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 You want to read the last yeah, one? Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: Alan. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> One listener wrote into us. Oh, how natural. What a natural why did you even read that? Just read the question. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Hi, guys. Love the pod. Oh, Uh, I'm gay and grew up as a Jehovah's Witness, and it caused me to hate myself. Almost five years ago, I left the church to live my best life, or at least try to. My entire family is still associated with the religion, and because of that, they don't speak to me, except for my mom. And she is not supportive of my lifestyle and finds any and every way she can throw Bible verses in my face and tell me, that god's waiting for me to return <laughs> am i wrong to want to cut her off completely i understand she's doing what she thinks is right but my mental health is at stake here and she does not understand or acknowledge that she does not that she is doing nothing she's i'm sorry that she is doing anything remotely hurtful yeah i say yes cut her off yeah what? Make, yes cut her off What? T- be independent
1: no Alan, you Le- do- what wait let me let me finish sorry. cut her off Force her to reckon with her own, you know, uh, uh, her own isolation from her child. Mm -hmm. Make the rest of the family understand those feelings as well. Let them live through that. And you do you, which is not going to be easy, but you have to do it for your own well-being. Otherwise, it's just you're torturing yourself. Sure. I, I hear what you're saying. I think you're kind
2: of saying temporarily cut her off. because Temporarily, yes. I mean... To me
1: yes not I, necessarily
2: forever I get I get that it is so hard I mean I my family is very liberal but I come from being being raised Mormon and I know a lot about people hating gays and or just queer people in general but I also know that like there is like a connection that you you have love is a thing and she is expressing her love in the only she's she's also a product of the lived experience that she's had and you can't just like with my mom trying to understand my converting to Judaism she had a hard time accepting that and it was and it was because she grew up one way and I'm choosing to do something vastly different and she doesn't get it, and she's but she not going dis- to you with kindness. But, though. Wait wait, 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 and 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 <laughs> and he says in this, or they say in this, in this, in this message that like she's still communicating with him. She's st- she's making a decision to keep her son in her life. Her she's life. Throwing
1: Bible verses at him.
2: Because that's her learned experience. But unlike the rest of their family, she is remaining in contact, which means there's an emotional connection there that she is try- making an attempt. And I agree with you. I do think that this person needs to then acknowledge to their mother, listen, what you're doing is mentally hurting me. And if it continues on, I'm for my own mental sake, I'm going to have to cut ties. And I think that is the wake-up call. I think well, So that, you agree that's... with Elliot? No, I don't. Because I don't think necessarily you should just... Just cut her oh, off completely. I well, think you need not to. Saying,
0: ha- he's not saying don't go to her funeral in thirty years. He's saying no. I, I'm saying what you're she's saying. She's too toxic. I, I say cut her off, meaning
1: giving her the ultimatum of saying if yeah, you're going to communicate with her, so yeah. If you're going to continue to act like this, I can't. Ha- I won't handle. I, I, mm-hmm. The problem t- the, for me, it honestly boils down to having no. Pa- I don't have patience for that, and maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe maybe it's wrong of me to not have the patience to meet her through her way of you know showing love but i just don't have patience oh, it's, uh, now for that
0: i'm actually surprised to hear that i mean as always you make an articulate point i do not think that that it's this regardless of this woman's background and and i do respect everyone's religious uh beliefs even if they're quackery but <laughs> regardless of her background and her learned mm-hmm. experience if it is detrimental to someone's mental well-being i do not think this Person should feel the obligation to follow through on a relationship with his mom. I think you make a good point. Maybe send an email, establish that, and just say, "Hey, this is—it's too toxic. Yeah. I can't deal with this." Yep. Maybe be fair yeah. and upfront, and then we'll we'll see. Hopefully, that the reason the mother is reaching out is because she still wants connection with. I'm guessing son because he said he I'm, said th- son. He yeah. says I'm gay. Oh, okay. But um, that—that's why she's still reaching out, and her only way of doing so is. Spouting Bible verses, but ultimately yeah. I, we don't know. And can I also I guess, add? But I also that want
2: to say Bible verses aren't bad, guys. No, I
0: know.
1: But, <laughs> like, but I I want to add like, it's the ter- the term that triggers me is lifestyle. Yeah, that bothers. It me. It feels archaic, but also the idea is. But that I can't, the, They said it. Not I know. The mom. I know. I know. But what I'm yeah. saying is, <laughs> when to for him for him I believe it's a guy, but for him to say it references the idea that his mom his family can't accept his lifestyle. And for me, what drives me nuts about that is it's not it, you know it's not like he's ch- choosing a lifestyle to um, to to you know uh, disobey them. Mm-hmm. This is who he is. Well, see, it's interesting you took it
2: that way because I read it as they were internalizing that it's a lifestyle. Because I mean, in, that's why said so. Not supportive of my lifestyle. Are, yeah, yeah. And to me, I don't view being gay as a lifestyle. No, I, I agree. Or queer a lifestyle. You're and and I think perhaps do some internal work, and live a queer life in a really open way, and make it organic and authentic, and not necessarily what you do on the weekends.
0: Well, I don't know if that's what this person is no, suggesting I don't, I don't know, but lifestyle. I mean,
2: to me, lifestyle, it's not a lifestyle, and I think if, right. if, if this person is identifying, saying that they're not supportive of my lifestyle, that, I think, to me, is a little troubling outlook on my own queerness
0: I, I just i don't oh, you're saying the, the mom saying that is problematic
2: no the person the 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 gay kid well, so we don't know if he
0: says it or, if, or if yeah we don't know we it.
2: don't know all these things but to me i don't view <clears throat> being gay as a lifestyle and i don't think a gay person should necessarily view
1: being he, gay as but a this lifestyle. person probably if they grew up religious Perhaps. Which they did yeah. hearing the term the term lifestyle is probably ingrained in his or her head yeah. which is to me the same thing where it's like they No, it's an exist like you just exist yeah. like yeah. a lifestyle sounds like a like a bizarre <laughs> you know, know I, choice I don't, I don't feel yeah. the need
0: to critique this person's Rhetoric. I'm saying.
1: I'm just saying. If if, if the, the term lifestyle if it feels like something I would imagine that the parents said. Yeah, got it. And well, that bums me. out. You
2: guys, if you want to have us um, make fun of your life, no. <laughs> or bitterly
0: argue. over Bitterly one argue one of your, over it. Questions. You can
2: reach out to us on Instagram or email us at yourmakingworstpodcast
1: at gmail.com. What would your, your aunt say? say, Brent? What would your aunt Ramona say about something
0: she heard on the podcast? Normally I agree with Alan because he disagrees with you, but this time I disagree with Alan. (laughs) It is a lifestyle. (laughs) Um,
1: My Aunt Joanne would say, I hated George Bush then, and I hate him now. Fuck Ellen. (laughs) (laughs) What about Aunt Anne? My Aunt Anne would say, you know, I never liked Ellen, but I've always had a thing for Bush. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's a good one. Another good one. Oh, that's great. You're on fire tonight. Boy, thanks for
1: listening. I'm Elliot Glazer. I am... Oops. He's oh. texting.
2: <laughs> Brent Sullivan. <laughs> and I'm H. Allen Scott.
0: a podcast network.